referring to the latest data, former Vice President Joe Biden has had more engagement on Twitter posts this past month than President Trump. And no one was more shocked than Joe Biden. I have a Twitter account? Son of a gun. Can I look at it? Or do I need, like, special 3D glasses? (laughs) Come on. Um, I suppose we ought to hit you with the headlines. Uh, One headline, Joe Biden does have an answer now for the Supreme Court thing. It's pretty clever. It's oh, it's solid. Yeah, it's it's absolutely clever. It he'll, takes three and a half weeks. Yeah, he's going to do it, but it's only going to be TV judges like Judge Judy, <laughs> Judge Joe Brown. I was surprised. Yeah, when pressed tonight during the debate, yes, there is a debate tonight. The last debate, really, the last thing that can change the election, unless more comes out of Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, uh, plenty has come out of Hunter Biden's laptop, but it's being ignored. Um, but Joe Biden is going to say when asked about packing the Supreme Court, I am going to form a commission to look into that which is a great way to put off anything in government. Exactly. Because it takes like a year to form the commission, then two years for them to put out the report. Sure. It's it's another version of, and then the report is ignored, obviously, since I interrupted, and I apologize deeply and humbly. Uh, it reminds me of his insufferable Veep candidate, Kamala Harris, who's constantly saying, I'm willing to have that conversation. <laughs> right, which is another good thing. What the hell does thing. that mean? It's another good thing. And then, so there's some movement on the Hunter Biden's laptop. There are reports out that they're looking into, the FBI's looking into money laundering specifically. I don't know if that means anything. You know, it might. It might. There are headlines being reported breathlessly in conservative media that don't necessarily mean anything. Keep your eye on the ball, folks. One of Hunter and Joe Biden's business partners is out with his name. He signed it. He said, listen to me, I'm telling you, the two... Con, uh, uh, consulted constantly on Hunter's business deals because they were Hunter and Joe's business deals. Joe was considered the patriarch of the family and the family business. And the idea that Joe didn't know what was going on is a fiction. They worked together on these business deals. Whether this guy's credible or not, I do not know. Some of the lunatics who are accusing Brett Kavanaugh of being a racist, uh, I'm not a racist, a rapist. He's probably accused of being a racist as well, I don't recall, but all Republicans are being accused of it. So, But anyway, uh, you know, those people, those crazy people, they said, here's my name, and I say, you raped me on a boat. And then all of a sudden they say, no, I was never, I've never even been on a boat. Um, so this guy might be a crazy person, but if he's not, he is saying... Joe Biden was involved with these shady deals with Chinese communist-tied companies, and he got a cut. And, as I pointed out last hour, Joe Biden is now saying, China's not bad people. They're not a, they're good folks. Why would he say that? Well, maybe because Chairman Xi can utterly blackmail. You know what I would like to know? Because in a normal world, the Washington Post and New York Times would be fighting each other to be the first to either verify this guy or discredit him so that they can show themselves to be the, you know, the King Dog news organization. Right, sure. That's what happened in normal times. I would like to know if the New York Times or Washington Post have even assigned anybody to this story. That would be an interesting behind-the-scenes thing to know. Have they even assigned anybody looking into it? Because in the old days, that would be the the get today. Right. Would be confirming his... Uh, this him, guy, Bobolinsky. Or, or discrediting him. Right. Right. That would be a huge scoop. I'm not sure they're even looking into it. And the one other and the one other story we'll talk more about later, Russia and Iran messing with uh, voters in the United States around the election. We'll uh, fill in the details later. 
Uh, also, in the next segment, uh, I believe, well, unless we have time this segment, I will uh, I will reveal myself to be an utterly cold and uncaring human being. Wow. I'm not, but some people will think I am. What I have to say will shock you. Oh, boy. I've been reading a lot about these Seattle merchants who are suing the city over the chop zone, or jazz, as we preferred to call it. Um, How long did that last? month? Something like that? Uh, three weeks. Um, and, and it's especially relevant because I think the, the merchants of downtown Portland are, are watching this very carefully. Um, and then perhaps conceivably the, the business people of Kenosha, Wisconsin and other places where rioting, looting and, and lawlessness were permitted to go unchecked for an extended period. It wasn't quite as egregious as Chaz, Chaz, where uh, the government essentially said, yeah, go ahead. I mean, they didn't, like, not just prevent it. They said, go ahead. Well, remember the Target around here where I went to go buy a video game thing for my son, and they said uh, they, the, the, the rioters came in and took all our cash registers. Right. Did the police ever come? If the police never came, oh, maybe, yeah, they did. maybe they got an argument. Eventually. Eventually. Uh, but that sort of thing, it's hard to say where it ends, but I've been, lead- I've been reading a lot about this, and... I'm gonna I'm gonna try to not make it too in the weeds uh, in terms of legalisms and the rest of it. But so for about three weeks, you had your Capitol Hill organized protest zone, chop or chaz, chaz, chaz. Uh, there's extensive violence and property damage in the area, and property owners have sued the city seeking compensation for the damage they suffered and for temporary loss of access to their land and buildings. One of the claims they've made is a demand for compensation under the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment. Um, and there's an equivalent provision in the Washington State politi- uh, uh, Constitution. The takings clause. Yeah, exactly. If the government takes your money, they have to compensate you. Um, the, the eminent domain factors into this, we're all kind of vaguely uh, aware of this. The government cannot just come in and take your house and your land and say, we need this without compensating you. I'm tempted to get off on a very controversial Supreme Court court case of a few years ago, but I shall not. Can they quarter soldiers in my home, or do they no, need my permission? No, is the answer. No. No, no soldiers in your home. <laughs> so, you're not living in my house! <laughs> it, 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 the, the joke is I'm going to become a Third Amendment activist. Anytime I see the military, I'm going to shout, You can't live in my house! Funny. But Ilya Salman, who's a legal professor thinker, um, writes, When I initially heard about the takings claim in this case, I was skeptical. But reading the judge's careful opinion, the judge just said, yes, this suit can go forward. It is not without merit. It has merit. He said, I'm not sure yet who deserves to prevail here, but the plaintiffs have, plaintiffs have a much better case than I previously thought. The reason for my initial skepticism is the takings clause, etc., uh, generally only require compensation for the seizure of property by the government. And then they give some examples that were similar to what I was just taking uh, talking about. On the other hand, you generally cannot sue the government for taking your if your property was seized by private criminals acting on their own. If a thief steals your car, there's no taking for which the government is liable. And that's still true, even if the thief got away because the local police do a terrible job. The thief himself may be liable if you can find him, but not the government. On the other hand, the government can still be liable for a taking if they have somehow helped a private party gain control over your property. 
If, for example, the government delegates the power of eminent domain to a private firm, such as a railroad or a public utility, they're still required to pay for compensations under the takings clause. The same is true if the government itself seizes the land for purpose of transferring it to a private property, as in the notorious 2005 Kelo case, which was the one I wanted to bring up, where the Supreme Court ruled the government could take the private homes for purposes of transferring them to another private owner in order to promote, quote, economic development, one of the worst Supreme Court cases ever. Oh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The CHOP case falls somewhere in between uh, where uh, the scenario where the state merely failed to prevent a private theft and where it deliberately seizes profit, uh, uh, I'm sorry, private property. No one suggests the city of Seattle deliberately set out to help the CHOP activists seize private property. But the plaintiffs claim that the city's actions did knowingly facilitate the deprivation of their rights. And then the judge that seems explains, pretty clear to me. Well, yeah. And the judge explains in several paragraphs that the city abruptly deserted the SPD's East Precinct, right? Almost immediately after the Seattle police abandoned the East Precinct, protesters declared the area free Capitol Hill uh, to create a no-cop zone. As the zone expanded, it became known as the CHOP. CHOP's unofficial boundaries were X, Y, and Z. CHOP participants claimed the area as their own. According to the plaintiffs, the city entirely handed over the approximately seven-acre area. Uh, The city allegedly provided CHOP participants with medical equipment, washing sanitation facilities, portable toilets, nighttime lighting, other material support. The city further allowed CHOP to build makeshift gardens, to grow food, to be self-supporting. The mayor tweeted her support for the new community That's garden. Okay, there, it's the open and shut then. Plaintiffs I'd forgotten al- about that. One more, plaintiffs alleged that members of the public could not use the park, and if they got too close, CHOP participants threatened them or their property. And as the result of the city's alleged actions, the park was transformed into a massive tent city for CHOP participants a.k.a. ipso facto e pluribus unum, the city aided in transferring that several acres, that 10 acres, to a private organization. They have a case. Hmm. Absolutely have a case. Go get them. Kick their asses. Get your money. Go. Amen. Hallelujah. And then, Pass the Tylenol. And then hopefully cities in the future will be afraid to turn over giant sections of downtown to a bunch of hippies. To a gun, to gun-wielding hippies? militant Marxists. Wow. Oh, you would hope. S- Seattle, you are such a wonderful city for so long. So, Portland, San Francisco. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it again. You think, wow, some of these progressive policies, they sound wonderful and unicornian. I wonder if they work. It's already known whether they work. <laughs> so if you're a registered voter, you might get a weird email, and it turns out it's not from who who it looks like it's from. It's from Russia or Iran. What's going on there? I'll tell you about that in a second. I don't Absolutely. Know. Oh, plus I have to uh, admit that I'm a cold-hearted person, oh. and I'm calling for the deaths of a number of people. Fantastic. Yes. Yes, I am uh, the... I've donned my Grim Reaper outfit. Also, I have what are the sexiest Halloween costumes? The ones that are on the most attractive people, usually. <laughs> um, the ones that show a little leg and or bubbage. All that on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. In a hastily arranged press conference, the directors of National Intelligence and the FBI announcing that Russia and Iran have stolen information about American voters in an attempt to meddle in the upcoming U.S. election. This data can be used by foreign actors to attempt to communicate false information to registered voters that they hope will cause confusion, sow chaos, and undermine your confidence in American democracy. Hmm. Undermining confidence is a big deal. This first salvo, though, from Russians and or the Iranians, in which a bunch of registered voters, voters, for instance, in Florida, in a particularly Democratic county, they got emails that appeared to be coming from the Proud Boys, uh, which it says here in this stupid news uh, paper, uh, they've been designated a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh, my God. The Southern Poverty Law Center should never be quoted by anyone ever. On any topic. But it's re... But it including is, Southern Poverty or Law. But it, 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 is, it is quoted by everyone all the time. Yeah, I know. Good on them for getting over like that. Man, I wish I could pull that off. Um, anyway, the Proud Boys are not a hate group. But, uh, and they also didn't send out these emails that said, vote for Trump or else, was yeah, the subject line. Yeah, that's not, that's not what they do. We are in possession of all your information. Email, address, telephone, everything. You are currently registered as a Democrat, and we know this because we've gained access into the entire voting infrastructure. You will vote for Trump on Election Day, or we will come after you. Change your party affiliation to Republican to let us know you've received our message and will comply. We will know which candidate you voted for. I would take this seriously if I were you. So that's from the mullahs. The I'll be damned. They've upped their game. The idiotic media, in my opinion, is reporting it as it was an attempt to uh, threaten people and scare them into not voting. I don't think that's what the attempt was. I think the attempt was to attach the Proud Boys to Trump and make it look like, you know, right-wingers are out of control. I think that was the point. Yeah, yeah, it was to impugn uh, conservatives, not They not didn't think that liberals. secretly they were going to get Democrats to vote for Trump because they're afraid somebody's going to come punch them in the face. Although, from Iran's point of view, either of those outcomes, and, and you might get a little of both, is, is a good outcome. Oh, sure. Yeah, they just want to sow uh, hatred, fear, division, and, uh, and lack of faith in our institutions. And, you know, Putin's no dummy. No doubt about that. This could have been the first weak softball, hey, we're doing something, and there's way more to come. You know, it's a much shame. more subtle and clever. It's a shame that Putin is probably the most wealthy man on Earth. Otherwise, we could hire him. Like, you hire a hacker yeah. to become your director of security. It happens all the time. Hire him, say, all right, all right, Vlad, you're in charge of fending off attacks, a, a compromat. On, on the United States, and he'd be great at it, man. Of course, you know, you study the, the history of this, these things. The Soviet Union has been trying to do this since, you know, since it was formed, try to tear us down. It just, prior to the Internet, it was much more difficult to do. I think any political email I get is crap. I just assume that. Oh, yeah. Not to mention snail mail or yeah. anything else, yeah. So a couple of tales from the uh, uh, country's most populous and idiotic state, Cal Unicornia. Number one, PG&E, the uh, utterly uh, corrupt and or incompetent um, uh, utility, has begun shutting off power again to America's Haiti, California. Must be Uh, windy because you can't have power when it's windy. Everybody knows that. Right. Well, there's no power unless it's windy. And if it's windy, they turn the power off. 
welcome to California. The second uh, story is, uh, according to a judge, the population of the infamous San Quentin prison. The population must be halved. It's California's death row. It's a very old prison. It happens to occupy some of the most valuable real estate on Earth. They really ought to pick it up and move it somewhere. But yeah, the views from there are fantastic. You, if you weren't in prison, yeah, you you you'd almost want to commit a murder to get that real estate. I mean, get your six by eight cell because you couldn't afford it otherwise. Anyway, California Appeals Court has ordered state corrections officials to cut the population of one of the world's most famous prisons to less than half of its current capacity. Citing uh, the plight of inmates during the coronavirus pandemic. Sorry you ended up in prison during a pandemic. Zabba do 28 inmate deaths, 2,200 infections. Uh, employees were also sick and one died, God bless them, and that's a shame. Uh, it was, quote, the worst epidemiological disaster in California correctional history, said the First District Court of Appeals in San Francisco in Tuesday's ruling. All these guys are sentenced to death. But because of California's utter corruption, nobody's ever executed. Lawyers just get rich on appeal after appeal after appeal. And the idiot governor has stated, I'm not going to execute anybody, no matter what they did or how guilty they are. So now, COVID, God, whatever you want to say, is executing these guys. And and I'm supposed to be heartbroken over this? These the, the rapist murderers? Please. Stand your ground, San Quentin. You're doing fine. Keep the guards safe. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, we got to play the uh, the restaurant owner. They came in and gave him a ticket because oh. his door was open. Oh. And just, it it makes you, it sucks the, the will to live out of you. Or it makes you want to slap on a bandana and pick up an axe handle. Yeah. I'll have to play that for you later. Some people just love, you run into this early in life. It's like the uh, security guard at your, you know, your high school concert or something like that. This person who was put in charge of seating or something. They have no power or anything like that. And it's not important, but it's just a little bit of authority. Yeah. yeah. Respect my authority. You give some people authority and they just love it so much. Well, and, and the whole principle, and, and you've seen this during the COVID at times and, and other times in your life, the idea that how did the communists get people to inform on their neighbors and their friends? No, no. There are a lot of people who are anxious to do that. They want to get in good with the authority and, 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 and turn people in to be the persecutor, to avoid being the persecuted. <laughs> Sam, there's some kid at school that tells a girl, I think, that tells on him for doing something. And I told him, because I can still remember her name. I won't say it here because she could, she could be listening. I can still remember the name of the girl in fifth grade who would always say, Ms. whatever name, Jack didn't put his name on his paper. Like, what? What? She'd what have made hell, a good Nazi. What the hell difference does it make to you? You know, you got to pass all your papers down to the end of the row. She'd go through them. She's that sort of person. Right. Jack didn't put his name on his paper. Right. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> I'd like to know where she is and what she's doing. <laughs> oh, if she was alive in 1939, she'd be saying there's a Jew in that attic. 
kind of person has always driven me crazy since I was a small child. So I have uh, railed against the political controversy of the day now for quite some time. You're I, a railer. My uh, my belief is that whatever is the n- n- not real stories like the Russian ha- hacking today is a real story. Um, I'm fine with that being in the news, mm-hmm. but there's regularly Trump tweeted this or somebody said that or whatever. And everybody talks about it all day long. And I've always and my belief is that nobody's no real person is paying attention to this crap. They're just not. They don't even know what happened, let alone they're going to sit around and talk about it for an hour. And those who are pretending to won't be talking about it in no. 48 hours. Here's some fascinating numbers that back up that idea. That is actually good news. I just don't know how we toss out the uh, the, the, the people that spend too much time thinking about politics. Uh, this survey found. Who did this? Somebody with Stony Brook University. A couple of people with names that you wouldn't know. Um, they did a, a survey. This is what they found about most Americans. Upward to 80 to 85%. Follow follow politics casually or not at all. Up to 85% of Americans follow politics casually or not at all. Just 15% or so follow it closely, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. Which would explain the ratings for, well, a lot of uh, AM radio across the country and cable news channels. Mm-hmm. Um, At the start of the year, pre-pandemic, they asked people to name the two most important issues facing the country. Um, They found some clear partisan divides, blah, blah, blah. But on a number of other issues, they found that Americans fall much less neatly into partisan camps. For example, Democrats and Republicans who don't follow politics closely believe that low hourly wages are one of the most important problems facing the country. For hard partisans that follow politics all the time, the issue barely registers as important at all. So for 85% of America, both Democrats and Republicans, low hourly wages is the top issue. Mm. That's for 85% of America. For people that are super into politics, it doesn't really make the list. Isn't that interesting? Uh, yes. Partisan Republicans were most likely to say drug abuse was the most important problem. Less attentive Republicans ranked it second to last. They were also concerned about deficit and the divisions between Democrats and Republicans. Among Democrats, the political junkies think the influence of wealthy donors and interest groups is the urgent problem. What? But less you att- got your own. But less attentive Democrats are 25 percentage points more likely to name moral decline as an important problem facing the country. How interesting. Uh, a problem that partisan Democrats never even mention. That's how far apart we are within our own parties. Well, that's absolutely a clue how political campaigns get misled and, and start sure. to... Uh, uh, cater to the Twitter class, which is an even smaller percentage of Americans with enormously outsized voices. Isn't that something? So you got the the, the talking news cable heads and the, and the Washington Post reporters and all that sort of stuff talking about wealthy donors and the influence of the Koch brothers and all that sort of stuff. The average Democrat or eighty, the average understates it. Eighty five percent of Democrats are saying a moral decline is a big a bigger problem. The whole. Wealthy donor thing? I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. That's wild. Moral decline. That is your classic farm belt, rust belt Democrat. Southern Democrat. They're, they're more concerned about what they see in their neighborhood than some sort of theorot- theoretical George Soros versus the Koch brothers, you know, war of the worlds. 
Well, and on the Republican side, uh, they had drug abuse as the most important problem, which it is a problem, no doubt. But and that's your that's your partisan Republicans see it that see that. That's but, interesting. I would I would guess it would be different. But the less attentive Republicans, people the eighty five percent that don't pay that much attention, ranked it second to last. They're mostly concerned about the deficit. That's, and that's div- counterintuitive. And me. divisions between Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, that I could see. Um. I would think the uh, the drug overdoses is a very uh, my neighborhood ish issue. Uh, hard, oh, par- interesting. Hard partisans are twice as likely as people who pay less attention to politics to say that they would be unhappy if their child married someone of the opposing party. Well, that's not surprising. No, it's not. No. Also, we've talked about this even this week. A Pew study finds that ten percent of Twitter users are responsible for ninety-seven percent of all tweets about politics. Mm. You could call it all. It's close enough. Ninety-seven percent is close enough Please. to all. Please, ten percent right. of Twitter users is responsible for all the politics going on. Ninety percent of Twitter users are responsible for three percent of political tweets. That's another good. way to look That's at it. That's pretty good. That's something. Yeah. Twitter is angry at this topic. No, a no. tiny number of people are angry. The rest of America, like practically everybody, doesn't even know what you're talking about, let alone is angry about it. You know what I heard the other day, and this is a uh, old, older folks, younger folks thing, is there are twice as many people TikToking as uh, are on the Twitter. Twice as many. Of course, you know, funny dog videos are a different sort of thing than a lot of what's on Twitter, but. Here's some of the summary. This gap between the politically indifferent and hard, loud partisans exacerbates the perception of a hopeless division in American politics because it's the partisans who define what it means to engage in politics. When a Democrat imagines a Republican, she's not imagining a coworker who mostly posts cat pictures and happens to vote differently. She's likely imagining a coworker she had to mute on Facebook because the Trump posts became too hard to bear. Right. We ask a group of over 3,000 Americans to describe either themselves or members of the other party. Only 27% of these people said that they discuss politics frequently. A majority consider themselves moderates. But nearly 70% of these people believe that a typical member of the other party talks about politics incessantly and is definitely not moderate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that I've, is something. I've only had a few good ideas in my life. Marrying Judy was certainly one of them. Another one, which I've tried to express on this show, is that please, 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 Understand that the American media become a freak show. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's it's a bunch of sensationalism designed to get your attention. And if you want to include us in this, that's fine. I can take it. Um, look around you. Look at the people you work with, your neighbors, your friends, the people at your church, your little league, whatever. That's America. The media is not America. This is a wonderful country full of mostly wonderful people. Plenty of jackasses, Lord knows, but mostly really good people who don't hate each other. They're not racists and, and the rest of it. And it, you see a group that the media is amplifying. I would, that's an indictment of that group, honestly. That just means they're exciting and get clicks. That doesn't mean they're America. Please, they're not. They're fine. watch the news. That's a good decision, young man. <laughs> Apparently, we should play that whole thing sometime. That oh, whole thing is so good. It is so delightful. Well, Grandpa plays the Powerball. <laughs> <laughs> you watch the news right after Grandpa watches the Powerball. <laughs> oh, I love that kid. That kid is probably 23 now, the way time goes by. <laughs> right. A final statement on this. For partisans, politics is a morality play, a struggle of good versus evil. 
But most Americans just see two angry groups of people bickering over issues that may not always seem pressing or important. What? They ought to wake up. (laughs) That is some interesting stuff right there. Yeah. and The fact that 85% of people are are, are just kind of casually following this stuff. Let me add one more layer on. The hardcore understand that if you can bend government policy to your will... There are trillions of dollars flowing through Washington, D.C. There's an enormous swamp full of profit there. And they yeah. convince the the casual folks that, well, this is good for you, or it's kind, or it's compassionate, or whatever. And it's just a way to get more money to go through D.C. so they can siphon more off. Yeah, I And could, it does not do you any good to grow the federal government, my friends. I could say that the, the political crowd... Um, especially the people that are in politics or are in business with politics. Um, go ahead. Barely pay attention. Post your cat pictures. Don't be that engaged. There are $3 trillion worth of taxes we collect every year, right. and that money goes somewhere, and right. I'm getting a big chunk of it, and you're not because you're posting cat pictures. Exactly. Be the distracted <laughs> shopkeeper while I'm shoplifting uh, the hell out of you. There is a certain amount of that. Well, and here's here's a for instance for you. You've probably heard that you're 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 the sort of person who keeps up on the news. You are involved. You are informed. You've heard about this Senate race or that Senate race or maybe a House race where there's been two hundred million dollars spent, hundred fifty million dollars, most expensive race in Colorado history, et cetera, et cetera. The stories are all over the place, folks. Let me point out the obvious: that money is being spent. It's going somewhere. Where is it going? Who gets a 10% commission for spending that money? Who's on the payroll as a assistant campaign director? Where does that money go that you donate? It goes to people, the political class, who are getting crazy rich by convincing you the government should be bigger. I wonder if this text is from a woman. Back to the, uh, the girl would say, Jack didn't put his name on his paper. Yes. Got this text from a better woman. She was flirting with you, Jack. That's what my wife always says when somebody's no. doing that with Sam. And I always say, "No, you women need to get better at flirting because that's not the way we take it. <laughs> we don't think, oh, I think she likes me by alerting the teacher that I made a mistake every day. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what women say. That's what my wife always says. Yeah. She did that because she likes you, Sam. Really? Well, she's making my life worse. How is that possibly going to benefit anybody she's making me hate her exactly so maybe reassess your strategy i i hate this conversation Uh, because there have been a couple of women who've come up to me in my life at high school reunions or whatever and said i had such a crush on you and i'm like what why didn't you you could have lady 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 what did you just say i told the teacher every day you didn't finish your homework yeah, well, that wasn't what? an indication of anything. Boo! <laughs> you suck at flirting! Boo! Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So many basic questions that journalists should be demanding Joe Biden answer. Are the emails authentic? Do you claim that any of them have 
been fraudulently altered or fabricated? Did your son actually drop off that laptop in the Delaware repair store? Did you ever discuss with him meeting with Burisma executives or in fact meet with Burisma executives? Why was the prosecutor that you accepted as the replacement for the one you demand to be fired, somebody who had no experience as a prosecutor, was himself imprisoned for embezzlement, was a lackey of the Ukrainian uh, president? Why was somebody like that acceptable to you if the goal, as you claim, was good government in Ukraine as opposed to benefiting Burisma? Maybe these are are good answers to those questions, but he's not answering them because the media has said you don't have to. Glenn Greenwald, once again on Tucker Carlson, um, uh, talking about how it's just it's it's his own crime that the media is not covering this Hunter Biden laptop pictures with Ukrainians story. And maybe maybe at the end there's nothing to it. But how do you not ask about it as Glenn? How about how about this deal with uh, Democrats? Glenn Greenwald, he's 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 a liberal. Right. Uh, Let him question Joe Biden. Doesn't have to be Sean Hannity. Or Rudy Giuliani, uh, put put Glenn Greenwald in charge. But so he, he can't believe that the media is not doing what he says is their due diligence and pursuing this story and just asking the questions. Well, we now know why, for instance, NPR has not reported on the story at all because they were asked and they responded. Uh, NPR said the New York Post did no forensic work to convince consumers that the emails and photos that are at the basis of the report have not been altered. Okay, well, that's hilarious. That's your standard? The Bidens have not even whispered that they're fake. I think because they can't. But NPR goes on to say, the biggest reason you haven't heard this on NPR is that the Post story is not doesn't amount to much. Quote, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories, and we don't want to waste the listeners' and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. This is from NPR's managing editor for news. And quite frankly, that's what we ended up uh, where we ended up, this was a politically driven event, and we decided to treat it that way. The only um, coverage of this that has occurred on NPR is about Twitter and Facebook not covering it and people being mad about that. But um, Okay, you're not the least bit curious as to what it means when, uh, when Hunter Biden says we got to carve off 10% for the big guy? Right. Or said to his kids, hopefully, you know, I, I won't take half of what you make like Pop did. Right. What is that? No, no curiosity there. I'm kind of interested in that. You know, I was. Uh, I have a, a little more information on the actual story in a second, but now's the right time to make this point. The problem with you and Glenn Greenwald, and, and God bless you. Uh, you ever see like one of those mob movies, or uh, The Sopranos had this occasionally, where the FBI would be uh, staking out Tony's house, and they'd be in a van that says Tri-State Cable. Okay. Right. After Tony looks in the window and realizes it's the FBI, right? Imagine if Tony came back the next day and said, so are you guys going to hook up my cable or what? He knows they're not cable guys. NPR are not journalists. They ride around in a van that says tri-state journalists. They're not. They're advocates. They're editorialists. They're masquerading as journalists. And there is plenty of uh, the and, media. And there are that, a lot of people who fall for it. Yeah, there's plenty of media that feels like it's their job to to get their side elected or keep their side right. elected. So yeah, yeah, yeah quit true. asking them to hook up your cable. I do. <laughs> I, I listen every morning, and it makes me insane. Uh, I just they're gone. They're gone. Let them go. I thought when the picture came out of Biden with uh, those people, whoever that was. Um, I thought he'd have to be asked about that. Why, why, why'd you pose for that picture? Do you right. know who these people, is that a real, first you start with, is that a real picture? 
Or are you going to claim that's bogus? And then sure. why why'd you pose for a picture with those people? Well, this is even more compelling to me than the picture, although that's absolutely a legitimate line of questioning. This fellow, Tony Bobolinsky, has come forward. He's a former partner of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and Joe's brother, Jim, in the uh, the Chinese deal, a rather complicated deal with an energy Chinese energy company closely tied to the communist government. But this uh, Mr. Bobolinsky confirms that he was one of the recipients of the May 13, 2017 email published by the New York Post eight days ago, which laid out cash and equity positions and mysteriously included a 10 percent set aside for the big guy. Bobolinsky states the email is genuine and that Joseph R. Biden is the big guy mentioned in the email who's entitled for a 10 percent set aside to be held by Hunter Biden. For the big guy. So is this guy legit or not? That's what the Washington Post, the New York Times, 60 Minutes, all the big outlets should, NPR, be, right. should be looking into. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if you can discredit him, if it turns out, you know, <laughs> you've got a check from Rudy Giuliani to him or something like that, fine. Put that sure. out there. Absolutely. Expose the guy as a fraud. But in his 689-word statement, Bobolinsky writes that Hunter Biden referred to his father as, quote, my chairman and frequently referenced asking him for his sign-off or advice on various potential deals we were discussing because it affected Joe Biden, the the family business and the family legacy, the family name, etc. Long story short, he Hunter constantly consulted with Joe on the advisability of various foreign business deals and ventures. Hunter, you're a loser. Which which is directly calling Joe Biden a liar on this topic. And as I pointed out earlier, a lot of the most profitable deals were with Chinese government-tied firms, and now Joe Biden is soft on China. Really soft. Definite blackmail potential. How much does Trump use this in the debate tonight? Armstrong and Getty.